How important is patience for you when you're composing or creating new music? In particular, about this album, it was quite important, actually. Um, I can't recall exactly why I got a bit obsessed with this, you know, patience concept or being restrained and holding back and not necessarily going for it. I don't know how it started, but somehow during the during the production of the album, it was yeah, it was something that was always there on my mind that you know never give it to the listener, you know never just uh, give in to those impulses that you know that you may feel those urges that you know that come in automatically. Try to resist that and see what happens was my kind of uh, direction basically whilst making the album, and I think it was kind of. To be fair, it was the same on uh, my collaborator, Yumuta's part as well, um, because in the end, the album started with his uh, drum recordings. And I think that was the feeling that I just, that I was struck with when I first listened to those drum recordings, that, you know, everything was held back and restrained. Yeah, and you're coming... In terms of musical influence, you're coming from a place that often puts a lot of importance on restraint kraut rock uh dub yeah. those sorts of things and it always feels like the best of those genres know how to almost tease the listener over time exactly yeah absolutely yeah um yeah that 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 just really drew me in um one of the things also i wanted to talk about because you already mentioned your collaborator uh the drums are incredibly warm on this record or at least that's kind of the texture i'm getting from them and it, I was wondering about your melodic choices coming from it, because those drum loops are not necessarily just rhythmic. There's also some melodic stuff going on in them. I'm thinking of uh, Ja Otto. The opening drums for that are so warm, they sound almost completely melodic. So I was wondering if that also shaped your response when finding synths or guitars or bass to put over these. It wasn't just rhythmic. It was also kind of duetting with the drums in a melodic way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally. The thing is, like, the album kind of, you know, happened to come to existence in a very organic way, you know, in a way. Because when my when Yumuta first recorded those drum takes, I don't think he had the idea of, oh, I can send this to Y Bubble and he can do something. Or he didn't really have a plan, as far as I know. So I think what happened is he literally went to a friend's studio in an industrial, you know, estate in Istanbul and carried over his drum kit, which he really loves his drum kit, which is a Ludwig uh, super nice drum kit. And I think he set it up there. I think he even had a mattress on the floor in the studio or something. And he literally stayed there for a week or 10 days or so. And every day he basically recorded some drum kits by himself without anyone, no engineer, no one. He was engineering uh, his recordings himself. And I guess all that melodic stuff is kind of his way of, I don't know, telling stories or, you know, because I think the, you know, he didn't plan to have anything on, on top of that, which is what I find the most uh, exciting about those drum recordings it's just like they are almost like pieces in it in themselves you know um so yeah that's why i also didn't want to just overdo it and just yeah just try to basically go along with it or dance with the the drum takes basically 
Were, were there specific moments when you got these drum takes that was just an instant eureka or aha moment where it's like, I know exactly what to do with this when you first listen to it? Not necessarily, because in the end, those drum recordings were like, I think in total, maybe three or four hours or so. And he sent me with uh, all the recordings with some nonsensical code names, like a couple of letters and three numbers next to them or something. And I, you know, started listening to them one by one. And then I realized, oh, this is like, I can't get out of it. Like, do you have any favorite moments in this take? I asked him. And then he was like, oh, yeah, you can check out that, check out this. And as some of those takes that he mentioned, I started listening to them. And then I was like, yes, this definitely can work. Whereas some others that I loved, for instance, or he mentions, they were like 30 minutes nonstop takes. So like, I didn't want to, work on those because I didn't want to take them and cut them and edit them. Like I just, I, A, I couldn't be bothered with doing that kind of decisions or <laughs> editing. And, and B, I found again something like, something important and magical in taking the drum takes as they are. And then if something comes out of me and if they make sense, then, you know, then that's, that's, that's it. That's done. That's finished. But, you know, I didn't want to also you know, edit or, oh, you know, how should I arrange this, etc. I just didn't want any of that, basically, in this project. It feels a little bit more pure, like you're a natural collaborator, almost working in the same room, but you're, it's obviously a Dropbox or, you know, Google Drive. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. How do you feel pre-COVID? How did you feel about kind of Dropbox, um, Google Drive, you know, sending things over mail, um, music, collaborative music, and how do you feel now? Um, I think I always kind of, I think the natural, you know, instinct is to, oh, to think about it in a way that, oh, you know, if you're both in the same room, that's great and that's the way to be and whatever else is kind of uh, not quite right. But I, I, I personally don't think that I think um of course there's there's there is beauty in being in the same room looking at each other in the eye and and probably that is gonna help develop the project or the music that's being made in a certain or it's gonna steer it towards a certain direction whereas I think there's always something some other added layer or maybe not added but subtracted layer when you're kind of collaborating I think, online as well you know that there's something a bit more mysterious a little bit more maybe a little bit less basic something is less therefore is more kind of thing do you know what i mean like it just um it is different but i don't think one is necessarily better or yeah hmm. well it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about patience because you have to assume some sort of intentions from the other person and you don't want to stomp all over their stuff, but they're not in the room there with you. So yeah. you have to be more careful almost. Exactly. And it's kind of like a game in the end. It's like, a, it's, it's interesting, you know, of course I would love to, I would love to do, you know, in the future with you, or maybe another album where we are in the same room, but you know, I don't know. It, I found it quite uh, exciting in a way. Yeah, for sure. You were mentioning Yumota put, you know, nonsensical weirdo title tracks to a bunch of these. And then yeah. the new ones, the ones in the finished product, there's mentions of kind of absinthe, throbbing gristle, uh, or Genesis yeah. P. Orange. 
Uh, and of course, Moondog uh, for yeah. two songs. I, I'm yeah. wondering what was the intention behind those in terms of just showing off a little bit of influence or trying to reflect something within the song with the titles. Yeah, um, it's interesting because at first we were like, ah, oh, maybe let's leave those code names as they are and maybe just name the album a code name as well. Uh, but then it just, um, yeah, it was a, it was going to be a bit too much, you know. Uh, and even, you know, when I first sent it to my label, um, you know, the demos, like before they finished uh, the tracks, even like I realized they are even having difficulty referring to, you know, they're going to talk about this particular track about, you know, let's say they have a, you know, feedback, positive or negative, but they couldn't even refer to tracks like because they were just nonsensical code names. So then that made me think, okay, maybe we should actually name the tracks. And then the names came about kind of, yeah, I think, as you said, it's just about what was going on on my mind or on his mind, Yumuta's mind, whilst recording the tracks. I think we tried to yeah, stick with that, you know, the, the, the feeling that the track gives us or the, the feeling that the track evolved out of kind of thing. Mm. And also we, yeah, we, I also always like to, um, you know, I, I, I'm not someone who hides uh, his influences or inspirations. Uh, I quite like actually sharing it. And I always enjoyed reading other people's, you know, inspirations during making a piece of work so yeah um there's an element to that as well yeah that was something i i went through your mix cloud and listened to some of your mixes um i a really enjoyed them and there were a lot of tunes i'd never heard before but it feels like in terms of influences those are at least a couple of them i listened to had soul and dub that was also it was patient it was restrained and because of that patience and restraint it was really beautiful so i i felt like I was slowly getting this like drip feed of like what maybe you were listening to during this or where your brain was in terms of like, what do I need to do as a musician? Because I was able to hear the mixes that you've been making over, you know, the last year or so too. Yeah. Great that you checked them out and uh, glad you enjoyed them. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Somehow I've never been too much drawn into or in this period of time, as you say, not too drawn into, you know, instant, uh, music basically instantly gratifying music but this doesn't mean i won't in the future either it's just a periodical thing i guess you know yeah um kind of going back to some of titles and imagery there's i mean between your name yumotar is is egg right is that yes, exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah your your name is a reference to a bird there's also the avery um in yeah. this yeah um, but I, I'm curious on this kind of chicken and egg. You're the bird, he's the egg, there's an Avery, you know, in this, uh, how that all fits together without you know peeking too much behind the curtain, you know. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um to be honest with you, I don't think Yumuta or you know, the the, the it's it's not Yumuta or egg because I am a bird, actually, you know. Sorry to disappoint. Um <laughs> It's just, I think he just picked that name because A, you know, it is an iconic name in the end and somehow it hasn't been used by any artist, you know? I don't mm. know in English if there's an artist called Egg, but if you think about it, Egg has, you know, it's it's it's, it's an iconic name. Um, so I think he picked that without really thinking that my surname, which is Bulbul, actually means um, 
you know, a bird. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I, I don't think I don't. It's just a coincidence, basically, because he may release other stuff by himself, and he's still going to be Yumurta in the end. But it's just like a interesting coincidence, I think. And the Avery is probably because I, you know, I personally love birds as well myself. You know, just not the surname, but I am fascinated by birds in general. And the Avery is coming from it's again not necessarily related to my name or his name, but yeah, it was more about. I don't know how th that name came about, really. Um, probably there was a field recording in it, and I was hearing birds, or whilst I was making it, I think the birds were very loud outside the studio or something. And yeah, and somehow I think I was reading uh, Genesis P. Orridge's, uh, uh, uh the um, autobiography. Um, so yeah, somehow, yeah. So they are not actually related, is my answer to that. All subconscious, no conscious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, another. You just mentioned field recordings. There's some interesting moments of found sound on this. There's the wa cold water being poured in Jaw Auto. There's yeah. the birds, as you were talking about the Avery. And I don't know if this is found sound or just a sample, but the kind of chanting choir at the end of Big K. Um, yeah. And I was wondering, is that on your end that you went out and found some found sound? And how did you start embedding that into the music? So whilst making the, this album, the other thing that was kind of uh, dictating how it was being made was the fact that I got really into watercolor painting uh, mm. in, in yeah, after the pandemic. I think I really got into it. And because I think in all my free time I was painting... I just kind of approached making this album almost as if I'm making a watercolor painting as well. That was one of the things that, you know, one of the uh, limitations I set to myself as well, or limitations or, or or like a freeing concept that, you know, I don't need to have continuity in these tracks. An instrument can come in and go without saying anything. There can be some synth entering without a purpose and just linger for a bit and then just leave. And it's fine, you know, I'm not necessarily making a, uh, like a narrative music as such, you know. So yeah. I'm just going to put whatever the sound I see fit, just like, you know, when you're painting, you know, all of a sudden you may drop a little bit of blue on the top right corner of the, you know, paper. And you don't have to justify why you did that necessarily or, you know, which could be followed by red or, you know. So I was like, okay, you know, why don't I approach it this way? And field recordings came into play like that it's just literally i just wanted to add a little bit of texture and all of the field recordings you know i i do record lots of stuff uh, all the time anyway because i think it's quite interesting to to add that layer as well you know yes it's a music piece but in the end it's a sound piece and you know we are all drowned in all sorts of sound in our daily life or you know if we listen there's a lot of things going on all the time which i find quite interesting so yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed adding them texturally, and some of them mean something to me. Some of them don't. Uh, some of them have memories. For instance, uh, the Avery of prayers. Uh, All the sounds in it was actually from uh, Rewire Festival. I I went there by myself, and you know all the. All the applause at the beginning is mm -hmm. uh, for Meredith Monk, actually. <laughs> so you know it's kind oh, of oh, okay, yeah, 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 
Yeah, it's like people applauding Meredith Monk coming on stage there, for instance. So in my mind, there is like a story and it just makes me giggle or makes me, you know, feel more connected to the piece or connect different dots in my life kind of thing. Um, and the, the Gregorian chanting, that wasn't a, that's that's from a record that I've had since I remember myself, just uh, like a very weird Gregorian chant record that I sampled from. It, it, I, I think those all add, it's not just texture, but you know, you kind of make up a story in your own head as the listener, especially with no lyrics. And yeah. so having that extra textural thing gives it, gives it a sense of setting in place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And glad that it's uh, conveys that way. Um, I, wa I was going to ask one instrumental specific instrument question, which is the soloing kind of at the end of uh, pay no attention. Is that an oud? That it, That is an oud. Yes. Okay. Cool. Again, 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 it's a sample. And hmm. uh, the thing with sampling is, um, you know, we had discussions with the label and I had discussions with Yumulta about this as well. You know, there is one kind of, there is one, perspective where you know almost it's like oh why are you sampling you know why do you not play it yourself if you really like that that much or you know I totally disagree with that basically and I think sampling is another form of creative you know language and I think it's quite valuable and I think it is it's in the end, it's, it, it is a sustainable method of making music as well. And it is, rep, you know, referen referencing other artists is valuable. So, yeah, um, that is an oud sample. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. From a, from a very old recording again as well. Well, yeah, it almost feels like you're weaving a tapestry now because, like, I, you know, I obviously didn't know that was a sample. I didn't know the clapping was for Meredith Monk. But for yeah. you, in the background, it's sort of this wider soundboard of everything that's going into the record. Basically, yeah. And again, coming from approaching it as a kind of painting, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, does not other non-musical art uh, tend to pop up as influences for you? Because you've taken now from, from painting as an influence upon your music, but it's a non-musical form. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I think everything really, you know, everything influences what you do in a way, you know, in your life. So there's not like a particular, oh, you know, I'm very influenced by this kind of art movement, etc. Not particularly. But, you know, if anything, really, I get the most inspiration from the nature, I guess, and just mm -hmm. um, and just. Yeah, just walking in the nature, really very boring. But I think there's nothing more interesting and more inspiring than that, really. That's the bird subconscious thing, right? Bird yeah, song. Exactly, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, on your site, you mentioned there's a quick mention that you make music for libraries. And I was just wondering what exactly that is. It's just the kind of there's nothing really interesting in that uh, in, in that answer. It is just to make a bit of money, uh, just making kind of almost god awful tracks uh, that 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 you hear whenever you're watching a funny dog video or something, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, is, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. This is the worst end of the spectrum. Some of them are not as terrible, but you know, in the end, yeah. 
a variety of yeah well well that leads me into this other part because it's kind of i've been thinking about this with some of the interviews we've had on the site which is the idea of ambient or dub or instrumental music as background versus that sort of music as active as you can't just zone out to it you have to work with the music on its footing to fully engage it, it makes you engage even though it is music without lyrics or it is music that is tagged as ambient and i was wondering for you what the difference between those two are is it intent is it a sense of playfulness what is it it's interesting because that was one of the other guiding principles of making this album that you know it you know, it must not require too much attention and it must not, uh, you know, stand up. Here I am, listen to me kind of thing. And I always <laughs> wanted it to be a little bit, you know, in the background. Um, I don't know. Um, let me think about this. I think it's probably about, it's probably, yeah, I think there are quite a few factors probably contributing to a piece ending up being an ambient or, you know, background kind of thing versus, because in my first album, Fever, I all, all also wanted it to be not too much of an attention grabbing one, but a pleasantly background music. I don't know, to be honest, um, probably for something to not be a backgroundy kind of music, probably would have bigger elements that are carrying the track from a to B to C back to A, a bit more formed and led by, you know, bigger, bigger and more confident sounds or melodies, I would think. Whereas for something to be ambient, I think, again, probably going back to the very first question or very first topic we talked about, when you're a little bit more restrained and holding back and not aiming for instant you know, instantly grabbing people's attention, then that ends up being suitable for a background purpose, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's all. Those are all the questions I had for you, man. I really love this record. It's so playful and amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, it rules, man. I, I, I had no idea how to categorize it when I first listened to it. And I've just been jamming it constantly. It's it's like I said, it's playful, but it's also restrained, which is a Really rare combination. That is a delight to hear because making it was kind of tricky <laughs> as well for me because I basically, I was obsessed with the idea of, because the albums I really love are the albums that I haven't really clocked in in first listen or second, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they are the ones that grew on me as, as I listened to them more and more and they are the ones that I, you know, that stand the test of time in the end for me personally. So I wanted to make an album like that, that, you know, when someone listens to it for the first time, maybe like, what is this really kind of thing? Uh, yeah. But then you, you, but then you never know if you're making, you know, an absolute stinker, you know, you have no idea. So <laughs> I think so, you've avoided that. I think you've avoided that. <laughs> that, that, that that's, uh, that's great to hear.